Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing? And welcome to Goodbyes with GCP. On Tuesdays from now on, I'm going to be posting episodes about debt and how to get out of it. Now, I'm no financial expert, but I have pretty done well for myself by getting out of debt. About two and a half years ago, my credit rating was like 395, and currently it's at 650 and rising. And that's for my own personal example. But how I did it was through some careful research, careful planning, and attack what got me there and was what, what will get me out. So there's a few principles that every financial advisor should tell you either they're right about it, they'll run around in circles trying to tell you about it, but if they don't outward spell it out, you know, then it's a, a lot of times it goes over our head. So this in this first episode, I want to talk about the psychology of debt. So a lot of times in society, we are peddled things through commercials, and we have this considerable want. And we work so hard for every penny that we get, every dollar, every hundred dollars that we can save, if we can save but it's a culture right now in the United States and it, and for a, a lot of part of the world. This culture has been going on for eons or thousands of years. And it's basically now become a form of slavery in a culture without actually putting people in chains. Though you can be put in jail if accumulating so much debt and considering fraud. So the first part of this is the psychology of debt, as I was saying. We understand that a lot of things are shown in front of us to create want, to create desire. We may not be living in the place that we want to. We may not be earning the amount of money that we really had hoped to, but we got some security that we've got a place where we're earning something. So, you know, in my household, basically how I got into debt is I was a waiter for about 15 years or so. Before that, I was in the Navy. And I did various other jobs throughout my lifetime. Now I'm 45 years old. I'm a single... Well, I actually have a girlfriend. I'm, I'm in a relationship. But I was a single dad for much of it. And, you know, paying for kids, you know, they're whatever they need, clothes, shelter, their extracurricular activities, whether it be music lessons, sports, whatever, they had needs too. But then I started really to understand a few things recently after I read a couple of uh, financial books. One was uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That was that taught me a part of the psychology. Um, Dave Ramsey's, um, I think it's like Life After Debt. I think that's what it's called. But anyhow, I'll, I'll look it up later and I'll clarify it more. And then uh, Tony Robbins' Unshakable. So, debt is a culture. It's something that's taught from early on. It was taught for me early on. I watched my mom struggle constantly. I watched my mom as an early age write bad checks just to write to get groceries. I watched my mom apply for a credit cards that she had no business and knew she she couldn't apply, you know, she couldn't pay back, you know. And it just continued and manifested, you know, more and more and more. So as I became an adult, 
And when I got in those financial crises or crunches, I started doing the same thing. And then before I knew it, I'm 40 years old, looking, wow, I've got all this debt, and I have nothing to show for it by my name. And what am I doing? I didn't know how to attack the problem. I was too scared to look at all my debt. Who do I pay first? I adopted a, an attitude that is common here in the United States. I kind of like, just like, okay, I can't pay it. I'm not going to worry about it. And then some of it starts, debt collection. Now, it got to a point where some of my debt collectors actually went after me in court uh, with significant debt. And I'm going to continue this in just a second, just a moment. So continuing on. So I, I learned basically, okay, the first step in getting out of debt or debt management is understand your psychology. Understand what gets you to buy. Understand what you're buying into. What memberships are you a part of? What are the needless expenditures out of your budget every month that you spend on entertainment to help you Let's just say get through the times. Let's say it's cable. Let's say it's a video game membership. Let's say it's Netflix or Hulu. You're spending $10, $12 here and there. Or you could be spending on a gym membership that you only go to once in a while. These add in to your debt. Sometimes they're memberships that you're locked into a contract for a year, two years. Another one could be, say, like, um, for example, I have AT&T Mobile or Cellular, and I pay this next program $35 a month to have the latest iPhone, or, and I agree up to two years to pay it off, or I can pay, you know, I think it's, what, a thousand bucks for, to pay the whole thing off. So that's a management, you know, that's a contract that I agree to. Is it necessary? Probably not. So when you think about those gadgets and things, think about what you're applying for and how far it's going to put you back. Then I had a car payment and other little things. So you start calculating all those expenses, and those are emotional expenses. They are nothing to do with your necessity of life. Now, if you are going to the gym every day, then it is a well-invested you're investing in you. So we're getting back to the psychology of the matter. So when a lot of us are working and we're just like, man, it seems like I can never catch up. I can never get ahead. What's going on here? Then we take another example. For example, those uh, payday loans. Now, if you notice the percentage rate, I think they're like 415% annually of what you're going to pay on top of what you borrow, but it's set up to repeat every two weeks. So if you take the amount of, say, like you borrow 250 bucks, but you have to pay 300 to pay it back, that's $300 to pay it back, and then to reborrow just to get 255 So you're paying $45 a month. Now, add that 45 times two, that's $90. So that's $90 you're paying a month, Two months you're paying 180. Three months you're paying, what is it, uh, 250. So 
paying what you borrowed in three months, and then that's where they get you. So it's like, okay, well, well, Jason, what do I do? You know, how do I pay this back? The cycle keeps going and on. I've got to feed my kids. I've got to make my life happen. I've got my student loan. I've got this. I've got that. We're going to go into that later. So the first thing is understand your psychology. Getting you to feel better is the most important thing because getting you in a lightheaded mindset is going to be able to get you to challenge yourself in taking on your debts and eliminating the unnecessary expenditures every month. These things do account. So if you're doing Netflix and it costs you 10 bucks a month, times that by 12, that's 120 bucks every year. Where that matters, you could apply it something else that you could be paying back later or start saving. Say like you're a person, I can't get a checking account because I wrote a bad check and now I'm on check systems or some other credit, you know, bureau thing that's trying to come after you. Again, it's the habits that you created. So it's like a ritual in your psychology. So the first part is get account for everything. If you can, um, I, my suggestion is go to creditkarma.com and you can probably get a free credit report and get a list of everything that you owe. Some of the debts may have fallen off. They may have been so old, and these creditors keep listing them on and on and on. Uh, examples of this could be like a Visa, a MasterCard, a credit card, and the life of it was only seven years. After seven years, now don't quote me exactly, but this is the theory, after seven years, Okay, this is part three. Sorry, I got cut off. Anyway, so an example, don't quote me on that that last exactly, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I'm going to have to really do further research to see how the law applies to that. But a lot of these small debts, $200 uh, credit card or $300 credit card that you apply for with a high interest, I think it's after seven years, if you don't pay it off, it's right off. I don't suggest it. I suggest you try to pay it if you can to get it off to make it a positive remark on your credit that you did pay it off, that you didn't just let it go to collections or delinquency. So it's all a part of the psychology. You're borrowing and borrowing and borrowing to constantly get by. But what do you have left that you actually earned for you? Say like you're a parent, you're constantly paying for your kids' health insurance, your school clothes, this event, that event. You know, you got to do something. You know, you're barely getting by. So, instead of keep borrowing, we've got to attack this psychology of counter-borrowing. And this is what I mean by this. If it costs you $50 every two weeks to borrow $250, then start reducing the amount that you, that you borrow. Every two weeks, reduce the amount. Eventually, you'll get rid of one of those loans. Now, one of those loans, that amount can go back to you. So that instead of that paying that company, you know, whoever, the Visa or the the loan company that you borrowed for a payday advance, that $50 that you can pay, you can pay towards yourself. Now, if it takes you about six weeks to pay it off, that's completely understandable. That's exactly what I did. I chose a starting point and an end point of when I was going to stop borrowing for this particular debt or this loan process. 
I chose six weeks, every two weeks, reduce the amount. And then when it got low enough to where I was like, okay, I can pay this off and I'm not borrowing again. Once you do it, make a commitment to yourself and write it down. I will not do a payday loan advance ever again. Then you start taking what you were paying, put $25, whether it be in your stash box, in your mattress, even in a savings account. You know, that $25 every two weeks will start building. So then you start building up savings. But it's like, okay, Jason, well, what, I've got all these collections. They're just going to come after my checking account. They're just going to go after me. Like I said, there is another means of you saving money. You know, well, I still need to be able to, what if I have to use a Visa card to, to pay my bills? Completely understandable. You know. What if I can't get a checking out? Completely understandable. But it's like for every action and thought, there is a just and equal reaction. So what you did was, because of your psychology of where you needed to spend, and you were just trying to make an answer that was really, should have been a short-term problem, a long-term habit. And you're like, okay, well, what do I do? So like I said, start eliminating the smaller debt so that you can start building something. Now, keep in mind, if you're not learning how to save, you're only doing damage to yourself. You're only being responsibly damaged to yourself. You're like, okay. And where I learned this from, you know, basically the secret or a Napoleon Hill thinking grow rich. So you've got to create a strategy that you're going to be in a better place. Create a timeline when you're going to get out of this debt. Now, your debt may seem like, say, like you're 75 grand in the hole, 52,000 in the hole, with student loans in them. All that. You've got to think about the sacrifices right now that can make the biggest impact. So, for example, um, I paid $116 every month to Comcast just to have basic cable and the internet. Now, I need the internet for my work. But I didn't need the other cable stuff. I don't watch most TV. You know, I have, you know, if I'm paying Netflix $10 a month, why do I need to pay Xfinity $30 a month to have the same thing? There's no reason for it. So on and on and on. So you got to look at how the strategy of like, okay, not just paying your bills but putting something away. Okay, in part four. So you think about the strategy. Well, what if what if I I'm just always tired, Jason? What what if I feel beat down and you know I want to do something. I want to do something for me. I want to do something for my kids. You know, it's like okay, well you did that for years and look where you're at now. So this is the, my my strategy of what I did, what I've been doing to get my credit to go up to in two years, two hundred points. You know. I started thinking about, okay, what is my strategy of spending? So the other part of the psychology is understanding what you have right now, what you own right now, be proud of it. If you paid it off, it's yours. So don't create more debt by going after more junk. And, you know, we don't always have to keep the Joneses. Now, self-love is important, so taking care of yourself. Remember, you got to pay yourself something. So out of all that constant debt, that constant residual, you know, 
outcome of you paying something, you gotta be able to have something for yourself. So that that key of saving a little something, I don't care if it's ten dollars, five dollars, twenty dollars, or even fifty dollars. Know that that savings cannot be touched for a year, and this is why I say for a year, because you gotta teach your psyche that saving is your culture, it's your religion. Saving, and also you're gonna teach to your kids. Say like when they want the brand new Jordan and they cost $200. Ask yourself, does the Jordan make him just look better or is it making him perform better? Well, let me give you a reality to tennis shoes. As a former athlete, there is no shoe on this earth that makes you run faster, jump higher. They just feel more comfortable and they have a shock absorbent that helps them receive, you know, from the jumping or the running, stomping, weightlifting. There's... You know, some shoes are made a little cheaper, and some are just, they cost so much, but they don't last hardly at all. So you got to think your psychology. Teach your kids how to resolve with having reserves, and that goes into the savings. So once you create that culture and that habit in your mind, okay, in the psychology, you're going to understand, okay, this is my debt, this is the result, and this is what I've got. So having something is better than having nothing or having it on borrowed time. Because eventually something may happen where, so like you get hurt on the job or you get really sick, then you're going to be further behind. What do you have in reserve to help you out? A lot of times most of us don't. In the American culture, we do not save. Not enough of us save. Not enough of the generations are being taught to save. In mathematics, make it a game. So, to, con- to go over this, I'm, just, I'm going over the debts of what a person goes through who does not own a house. Now, keep that in mind. I do not own a home. I'm just a renter, you know. So, this is for the average person who is just trying to find a way. So, once you create the reserves, you're creating a counter-psychology in yourself. Then you start to feel good where you're checking check isn't going to go down to the last $10 that you have to spend at gas a week before payday. Or you're feeding your kids macaroni and cheese because you don't have that much else to eat. And that's also another thing. The psychology of your eating affects the psychology of your spending. It does cost more to eat healthy, but there are healthy ways to cut corners. You know, there is ways to buy produce cheaper than the major grocery store, like, say, like Safeway or Lucky's, which we have out here in California. I don't, I'm not sure where you're at, but this is just a strategy, you know. Anyhow, so getting close to wrap this up, I'm going to post more on episode two next week about going into psychology more. So just to get this started, get account for everything that you owe. Don't be afraid to look at it. Don't be scared. Don't let it overwhelm you. But it's going to give you a starting point to start strategizing what to attack first. Well, that's the episode of Debt Management, and thank you for listening. Feedback's always appreciated. Have a great one. Jason, it's Belinda here um, over Belinda Karani Design. I, I can't even... 
I, I'm having trouble with it as well. I'm having trouble with anchor. Um, you can't echo. You can't leave texts. The sharing thing, I didn't. I just didn't even realise you didn't even think about that. Um, it's a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? I also can't see. I don't think anyone can see whether someone has applauded, uh, whether even someone likes what you've put out. I don't even know whether this is even possible anymore. Um, I think almost engagement is going to go down. Oh no, that's not right, is it? Um, and and you won't and I won't even know whether you even agree with me unless you send a message back to me. This is ridiculous, and no one can join in because no one would know about it. Oh my god, yeah, I'm not keen either. Sorry. Anyway, hope you're all right. Thanks. Bye. Good vibes, Jason B. Thank you for listening. Yeah, man, I'm 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 all full of this. Um, here's why. Because I feel like this will make the community stronger that we all have differences. And we just need to set aside those different me, differences and work together. But right now, I, I think we all just need to stay patient. And we'll get there. I think you're right. You have the right assessment. Keep doing it. I'm encouraging here. But keep doing your thing. Yeah, it's not good that there are... That Echo's sharing segments has gone away. I completely agree with you. Because that was a way that you could find things. Especially new people finding stuff. And now that the top 100 and recents is gone, I don't know what new people are going to be doing to find things because it's still hard to do search here and find what people are talking about that's of interest to you. I completely agree. What I do love is the 24-hour time bomb is gone and I'm actually really enjoying the one-minute back and forth that you can do with a person and then you could choose to publish that conversation. But it is just with one person, and it's not other people. Um, But I'm happy the 24-hour time bomb is gone, and you can now have episodes and selected podcasts only. But I agree, discoverability is not good.